This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Evan Novi-Williams. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Evan, you know Scott is a busy guy. We love him dearly. So he's going to come back later on. He's going to be here for the interview as we're going to talk with San Francisco 49ers President Al Guido. He'll be back for that interview, but he stepped out for a second. So we'll handle it, man. Just the two of us, man. Awesome. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Uh, First, let's get into this week's topics, and let's start with Sean Miller. And it's uh, kind of a downer uh, involving Arizona. Uh, According to what reports are saying, he had paid ten grand, what per month? month? Yeah, yeah, per month uh, for uh, for what's going down here with uh, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, it's uh, this this trial, this college basketball FBI trial continues this week in New York City, um, and I know we're harping on this, but to me, it's kind of a perfect encapsulation of where college sports, the NCAA, where where they all exist right now. Um, a couple months ago, a year ago, in fact, you know, last February, there came out reports that that Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton, right? He vehemently denied it. The school stood by him. He's still employed. Um, now, over the course of this trial, we've had multiple different recordings in which people have said Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton, including most recently this week, uh, one of his former assistants, Book Richardson. So this is beyond just uh, Christian Dawkins, the 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 agent uh, who the aspiring agent. This is one of Sean Miller's own assistants wow. on a wiretap talking about the ten thousand dollars per month that Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton. Um, it makes it begs the question: at, at, what, at what point does Arizona step in here? Right, it's becoming less and less plausible that everyone around this thing is lying about his involvement and that he's the only one telling the truth. It really makes you wonder what more Arizona needs before they step. In. I should add that this wiretap is from almost two years ago. Yeah, so this is a while ago. DeAndre Ayton played just one year at, at Arizona, then was the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Um, and Sean Miller's, again, not the only coach involved here, right? Will Wade, the head coach at LSU, who was suspended for LSU's uh, run through the NCAA tournament, he was reinstated recently because he has re- repeatedly denied any involvement in paying players. He is also, you know, his name comes up on these wiretaps as well as someone who was uh, who had direct knowledge of, of payers, players being paid. Um, um, there was a good column in Yahoo recently about how, you know, you look at this trial, which is essentially exposing the the ugly underbelly of college basketball. There are not, no ADs that are attending this thing. No NCAA executives have been in the uh, in the courtroom for them. Um, it really feels as though the powers that be, uh, conference commissioners, athletic directors, uh, are just kind of sticking their fingers in their ears for this. I hate to sound like uh, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. <laughs> I love when, when you talking sound about like the Bogart. schools, but uh, you know, all of a sudden there's gambling going on in this establishment. <laughs> I'm shocked. So I, I just wonder really quickly. Uh, 
how much do you think the schools knew about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I it seems clear to me that, you know, assistant coaches, obviously, and also head coaches were complicit in, you know, what is, you know, a, a problem that goes a lot deeper, I think, than just the schools that we have known here. Um, but again, it really makes you, you know, in this in these trials, the schools are the victims, you know, and it becomes harder and harder to accept the fact that, that, that the schools are the victims, the more you understand that the people, some of the highest paid or even in some cases, the highest paid employee at those schools uh, has a hand in, in, in orchestrating it all. Another downer of a story, Justin <laughs> Gimmelstop. Uh, he was with the uh, ATP, uh, and now it looks like uh, he is going to step down. Yeah, so this comes a week after he pled no contest to, to felony battery charges uh, from a, a pretty you know brutal, violent assault last Halloween. He, he beat up a man, uh, his ex-wife's friend, in front of his pregnant wife uh, and his mm-hmm. kids. Um, it's not the first time that, that Justin has you know kind of run into some some, some violent accusations. Uh, but for people who out, out there who don't know, he was a former t- a professional tennis player. He's not a huge name, uh, but he's very influential in the tennis world. He was one of three uh, player representatives on the ATP board. He manages Lindsey Davenport. He's a you know a, a coach advisor to, to ATP player John Isner. Uh, he has a production company called Without Limits uh, that is still under contract with the ATP and USTA to create content for them. Um, so he is an influential figure within the tennis world. He's also a tennis channel commentator. One thing I thought was interesting, Michael, you know, we, we heard players speak out, I think, for kind of one of the first times. The, the, the tennis world doesn't have a union. Oftentimes, it's rare to have players speaking out on issues like this. Uh, Stan Wawrinka, uh, the Swiss champion, right. you know, he, he came out and said, listen, he's been convicted of violent assault. Justin has. It simply cannot be possible for anyone to condone this type of behavior and worse, support it. Players need to speak out. Moving on now to and another happy topic. <laughs> it was up, uplifting on a Thursday. Major League Baseball, I, the attendance is down, and I this one I do not understand. When was the last baseball game you went to? Well, now see, I, <laughs> I was in Detroit, but I wanted to see the Tigers play. But just to go out to the park? It's been a long time. Yeah, so you are a rarity right now. Just, just a, USA Today ran the numbers, and I'll give one to highlight it. The San Francisco Giants, one of the best teams in baseball over the past decade or so, um, they're averaging 17% fewer fans at games in March and April this year versus last year. We, we've talked a bit on this show about you know the, this accusation that a lot of fewer and fewer teams are trying to win than they have in the past. Well, if you look at the numbers right now, there may be something borne out that fans are not as excited about a lot of these teams as maybe they have been in years past. Now for this week's interview, Al Guido. He is the president of the San Francisco 49ers and oversees all key business initiatives for the team. Guido also concurrently serves as the CEO and co-managing partner of Elevate Sports Ventures. How about that for two jobs simultaneously? At the same time. <laughs> and and, and it's all NFL good team, with both people. Running a company yeah. that consults for sports teams and, and enterprises all around the world. I wonder if I could get a moonlight gig like that here, man, but. No. Uh, He launched, by the way, uh, Elevate in uh, 2018. It works to bring uh, comprehensive business solutions to the sports and entertainment industry that identify new revenue opportunities and bring new initiative ideas to market. Oh, look who's coming back. Scott. Oh, Just in time. Just in time. And Al is here face to face in the building, in the studio. Big friend of the program. Al, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good Absolutely. to be here. Of course. Well, news earlier this week, your tie-up with your Elevate hat on, your tie-up with the XFL. Yep. 
everyone keeps telling me who's associated with the product that there's a need, a desire, a want for more football. What's the data analytics behind it? Tell me who wants this football. Who is it and what do they want? You know, uh, Vince McMahon's done obviously a lot of research here. When he hired Oliver, I sat down with Oliver about a year ago. Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck. Former guest on the program. Former guest and uh, friend, obviously, being in the barrio with my day job as president of San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, by the way. Do the Niners care that you do? Like, you're not working Niners right now. If I'm Jed Yorker, is anybody in Niner land saying, wait, shouldn't Al focus on us? No, he invested in Elevate. So okay. he's, he's, All right, he's, so there he's you pumped go. up about it. No, I think that, look, I think the research will show there's 35 to 40 million fans that are clamoring for more football. Now, what does that look like? It's TBD. And I think that Oliver, the second go around, I think Oliver's done an amazing job thinking about how they might reimagine, change the game in ways, but keep the fundamentals there. Which Can you I clue think, me a little, little bit about that? I mean, the, I've heard the know, word reimagine, but is it, are we talking tweaks? Are we talking revolutionary changes? What does a reimagined football look like? Uh, I think tweaks is probably the better way to cut it. So, you know, if you watch the Spring League or if you follow their social content, where they might place cameras, where they might place microphones... You know, obviously, if you think about like what what the PGA has become, right, with the ball tracer and all of those things, which made it easier to watch, what it might look like in a media component. They're trying to shorten the game, um, given you know, we all are trying to shorten the game. The NFL is trying to shorten the game a little bit on the broadcast side. So I think off the field, knowing that it's a you know a single entity and that all the eight leagues, how we at Elevate might think through fan access, could be interesting. Um, you know, the access to the team, the access to the coach, et cetera. And so, you know, Scott, what I would tell you is nothing's been decided, but the biggest part is let's not take away from the core elements of the game, but those things that could be enhanced via technology, via sports science, via the way that it's distributed on media, um, that it all is in discussion around how they do that. Obviously, there's no significant rollout today. But I would tell anybody that's XFL fan, check out their social media page and what they did down at the Spring League. It's pretty cool stuff. You led me right into the follow-up. The part I'm dying to see, any sports league, I want the biometrics on my screen. I want to know what is Tom Brady's heartbeat on that final drive of the Super Bowl versus the defense versus other, other folks. I want to see the hit impact. We can measure those things. Is that something we might see? Is that a possibility for this league? Because that is something I know my friends, the, the folks I talk to, would love to see that. Absolutely. And I think, look, that stuff's being measured today in the NFL. I mean, we Just know, not shared. Just not shared. And so even if you go through the helmet cam, it, it, you know, they, had, they put a helmet cam on all the quarterbacks in the XFL at the Spring League. Take a look at what Tom Brady sees. Right? I mean, we see it on TV from one angle. And we probably might see it from an end zone angle if you're if you go back and watch the all 22 film right from the end zone. But the fan doesn't see that. Why shouldn't they? And, you know, if you think about the, the, the original XFL with the overhead camera that got actually put into the NFL and what that changed around the huddle. And so my thing is whatever they can do to bring the fan, especially the fan that's either watching at home or streaming online or whatever it is, whatever they can do to bring them closer to the action, whether that's a hit, whether that's sports science, whether that's miles per hour as far as how fast the guy's watching. To me, that's really what fans are clamoring for right now. More data, more access, different viewpoints, and I think you'll see that. The XFL has always 
going to be compared, I think, in the beginning to the AAF. I think that's just the nature of being another spring football league that's popping up. Uh, and one of the big differences that I see kind of in the structure of the two leagues, AAF went to cities that were not NFL cities, right? Birmingham, Memphis, San Diego. The XFL seems to be taking the totally different tact, right? I think almost all, all but one uh, of the XFL cities are cities that have NFL teams as the person kind of in charge of selling tickets in those markets, is that a, a benefit? Is it easier to sell football to, to, to fans that have a local other football team, or is it is it harder in those markets? I think it's a benefit overall. There's no question in some of the markets, um, one might argue that they're saturated, and so we have to do a really good job thinking about our value proposition. There's a couple different benefits in my, in, you know, the way that I see it. One, you have built-in fan bases and databases that care about football in most of these markets. Two, I think when you look at the original XFL and this XFL outside of the football world, the other big benefit is the built-in WWE fan base, right? And they're clamoring for a product, right? A lot of the support in the original XFL, they had tremendous attendance numbers. And if you think about it, a lot of it was the crossover of a WWE fan that wanted to check out something that Vince had done. And so if you combine those two databases alongside of just traditional football fans in each one of those markets, I think this one's more suited than any other spring league that's come on board, given the infrastructure in place today and obviously what Vince's parent company does on a day-to-day -day basis. So I feel like that's an advantage to us. But some of these markets are busy, and we got to do a good job in those busy markets standing out. We had Tom Dundon on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He was, you know, clear back when the AAF was operational that he wanted to deal with the NFL in some capacity, um, either a partnership where practice squad players can come down, taking the elevate hat off and putting the 49ers hat on real quick. How do you feel as an NFL president about the idea of maybe having a partnership with another professional sports league where, you know, practice squad players can come down? Is that a, is that a benefit to you guys? They're going to send all the practice squad players to Alabama. Yeah. no, <laughs> Alabama and Clemson get all the practice yeah. squad players. I think it could be. I mean, it, it, it materialized a little bit in, in the AAF. Like, even mm -hmm. the San Francisco 49ers, we signed a guy that played in the AAF. And so... You know, you, you, if you're a football fan, right, we all know the stories, obviously Tom Brady being a six-round pick, but the Kurt Warner story, right, the Arena Football League, if he never plays in that league, does he ever go on to become a Hall of Famer? I don't know. And so I think about it in, look, there's a lot of discussion points to have, and this is where Oliver Luck's going to come into it. Do they sign college players, right? Do they take practice squad guys? You know, who do they draft in the upcoming draft for all these teams? But as an NFL team president, I think that putting guys on tape and giving them an opportunity is a good thing. And I know I speak for John Lynch and our GM. We don't get a lot of opportunities to watch these guys after they leave college. And a lot of these guys make a tremendous amount of impact on your roster. I mean, our roster in general has guys that went undrafted. We have a wide receiver coach, Wes Welker, that went undrafted. And so... You know, if he never got a chance to be an undrafted free agent or maybe play in another league, do you ever find him? And that's where I think the storylines come into play around following these guys. Seems to me like New England doesn't have a problem finding those guys. No, no, they do a great job. <laughs> We're talking to the president of the San Francisco 49ers, Al Guido. And by the way, uh, my wife is mad at me because as— Well, it's she, wait, it's, it's well, Wednesday. Now, <laughs> yeah. She, she said, you know, she said, well, who are you going to interview for, for the show? And I said, oh, the president of the 49ers, uh, El Guido. She said, ow, oh, you weren't going to tell me this, and you know I love the 49ers? And she talks just like that. Dude, can we get her and on the line? It, we have to get Barr's wife on got the line. 49ers pool balls on the table. 
it, I'm serious. This is, you know, and there's a joke in there somewhere, too, if you figure out my wife is really mad. But anyway, one thing I wanted to bring up, I see, am I going to say that? <laughs> I want to bring up just something uh, about the AAF. Why do you think it failed? Uh, I think timing, maybe business plan, and then obviously the, the obvious one is funding. You know, if you look at the difference between the two leagues, obviously this league's got a year worth of runway. It's also got somebody that's self-funding it. And, uh, you know, I know Charlie, um, yeah, I think they came in, obviously everybody knows they come into funding problems, and I think that's honestly the major difference. As I mentioned, there's other differences around built-in data, built-in fans, the ability to distribute media. There's some, uh, av- there's some advantages on the WWE and XFL side around how we might think through sponsorships given the two platforms that the AAF did not have. But it all really comes down to funding. These are capital-intensive leagues, rosters that have 40, 50 people on them. Um, it's just not a simple um, venture-backed business. And so, obviously, Vince's commitment changes everything. So there was no road show here. You didn't have to go to VCs looking for money. Vince knows. It's his deck. How, how long is he willing to sustain losses, and when do we flip to profitability? You know, I don't know that answer, Scott. I mean... Obviously, I've sat down with Vince briefly, more with Oliver Luck and Jeffrey Pollack, who's you know obviously the the president, C, you know CEO of the league. We all know it's been reported around what Vince sold or how much he raised, etc. Um, I you know I don't know the profitability or when, but what I would tell you is he's committed to this thing not just for a year, that's for sure. Let's switch over to to NFL for a second. We're a, a week removed from the NFL draft. Uh, the 49ers pick second took Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. He was in the news for a little bit leading up to the draft because he had deleted some of his social media presence, some support of Trump, some of his conservative political views. And one of the reasons he gave for doing that is I might end up in San Francisco, (laughs) a a fairly liberal city. In the aftermath of that pick, have you heard from fans, positive, negative, either way? What's what's kind of been the, the reaction there? Everything's been really positive. I think Nick did a nice job talking about some of the mistakes he made. I mean, look, I... I think fans generally understand these are still kids, right? And I, I, He's I was, what, nine, 18, yeah, I mean, 19, 19 20. Like I mean, I, I was joking with my wife, like, if you gave me a social media account when I was 17 years old, I mean, I, look, I, he made mistakes. Uh, he made insensitive comments that he's now obviously apologized for, and he has a lot to learn. And he, he said something during the press conference that struck me around San Francisco actually being the perfect place for him to, you know, open up, right? Understand the diversity and inclusion and everything else. But I will tell you this: um, Nick Bosa is a tremendous, you know, young human being, young adult, and passionate about football. Tremendous family, great pedigree. Um, he made his mistakes. He'll learn from. Him, he'll get better off the field. Our fans couldn't be happier now that we pair Nick Bosa with D Ford in a pass rush. Uh, I know I'm pumped about it. The NFL is a pretty simple league, although it's hard. You need guys who can throw the ball, and you need guys who can knock those guys down. And I think we got both of them. Our other guy who was throwing the ball just tore his ACL in Week 3 last year, so we're hoping to get him back healthy. I don't think it's a stretch to say that right now we're, as a country, more politically divided than we have been in a long time. In that environment, how, how much do you wait or think about a potential draft pick's political leaning and how it might mesh with the kind of the overarching fit of your of your city not at all I mean look doesn't mean we didn't do background on the kid doesn't mean we didn't bring it up and ask him the question but look if we're going to get into a world where we're, we're not drafting Republicans or not drafting Democrats I mean I, I, I the way that I think about it is um, he's a young kid he had a perspective 
that perspective is fine. Some of the other stuff he did, I think, was a little insensitive and he needs to learn from. But honestly, I spend no time worrying about it. I know John Lynch spends no time worrying about it. We worry about the kid himself, not necessarily his political leanings. We are talking to the president of the San Francisco 49ers, Al Guido. Well, you got to throw in Elevate Sports Ventures. Yes, you're right. CEO of Elevate Sports. I, call, I say Grand Poopa. Yeah, well, I like that. Okay, that's better. Tough <laughs> to get on the card. But. <laughs> uh, people don't know this, but Al is a car enthusiast. Oh, here we that's do, right. Do, he, yes. he was telling me about your car yeah, conversation. Right. He has a classic 442 Oldsmobile. Now, what year is it? Is that, wait, doesn't, your def, doesn't the, don't the Niners play the classic 442? I, I, I don't know what that means. No. Oh, I'm kidding. That's great. I don't know. It was like the only car football joke I could possibly come up with. Wrong football. That's, yeah. a, that's a joke? <laughs> now, oh, wait a minute. Bar just said that to I have reached new lows. Now, in fairness, Bar, it's my father's, but my, my entire, as we talk, my, my entire fan, my father and my brother are car nuts. My brother, who's a couple years younger than me, can literally tell you every motor horsepower, et cetera, in a car from the 1960s and on. The thing about the, now, first of all, the thing about the four, why it's named the 442? Yeah. Because it has a four-speed manual transmission. Four on the floor. Four on the floor. Uh, a four-barrel carburetor. Okay. I don't know now, the means. two, now this is where there's debate about the two. Some say that it's the, uh, the traction rear differential. Others say it's because it's dual exhaust. So there's a difference between that. That's why they called it 442. Thank you, Michael Barr. Okay, Alguido. It's <laughs> a nice car. <laughs> so you got to sell these tickets. I'm curious. It, it's a daunting task, and you're you're coming in now. Where do you start? What's the first thing you do? Hiring. So the way that we broke down this deal is twofold. Um, we went in and pitched a centralized sort of agency. Think about it. I know Scott, you've had these people on. Rick Welts has been on. Scott O'Neill. We pitched a version of team marketing and business operations, which obviously is well-known in the National Basketball Association. And then we also have local people on the ground. So we will hire in the next 90 days, call it, roughly 75 to 80 executives. Mm. Um, And our thought is if we take a centralized sales, marketing, data, analytics, strategy, et cetera, drive that down to the local teams, we put local people there. Jeffrey's hired team presidents for every single one of these venues. So we'll have eight to 10 people on the ground in every single city, along with a centralized agency. People just don't understand, Eben. Like This is what sports business is these days. Yeah, this, totally. this, it's, it's not the mom and pop operation that people are used to. No, it's not movie theaters anymore. I joke like, you know, sports was movie theaters. You open up your doors and people came. And now with, you know, eyeballs going every different way, there's so much competition, not just in sports. It's how you market, how smart we are. And our partnership at Elevate has four different partners in it. Uh, Harris Butcher Sports Entertainment, parent company of the Sixers and Devils, obviously. Uh, OVG, which is Tim Liewicki, Oakview Group. We're building arenas all over the Guest world. Guest of the program. Guest of the program. Um, and then Live Nation and Ticketmaster. And Live Nation and Ticketmaster come into play big time here because if you think about it, obviously the platform of data and all the fans that they have relative to content and sports, that's obviously a big one. One last question for you. I know the 49ers are both an advisor and an investor in Leeds, the European soccer team. That's right. Um, 
I assume you saw what happened with Leeds this weekend? I did. Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, so Leeds playing Aston Villa with a chance a win would have guaranteed promotion to the Premier League, which is a tremendous benefit. You know, hundreds hundred of millions, plus million dollars. Hundred plus yeah. million dollars. Um, they scored a goal that was a little controversial from a sportsmanship standpoint. I won't go into all the details. Listeners can look up the video and then let Aston Villa essentially walk down the field uncontested and equalize. They ended up tying. They did not secure promotion. As an owner of that franchise with $100 million on the line, uh, how do you feel about the the sportsmanship uh, decision to, to let them equalize there? I feel fine about it. Obviously, in the moment, keep in mind it's not a, it's not really Al's money. The truth, the, sure, truth, sure, sure. the truth of it is, I think most likely we were headed to the playoff, not automatic promotion. So maybe if we were automatic promotion, I might have a different answer. But um, no, I, I'm look. Leeds has had a good year. We're going to be in the playoff. We'll see what happens. All right, Al Guido, president, San Francisco 49ers, Grand Poo by Elevate Sports Ventures. Thanks so much for coming on in. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That was our interview with the San Francisco 49ers president, Al Guido. Good old Scott. You know, too busy you know, to hang out with us for takeaways and, and number of the week. You know, he just comes in, you know, we got the cool guest and then he's out of here. So, all right, fine. Be that way. <laughs> so, we're going to, Fabin and I will handle the takeaways. I, I know he's a car enthusiast. Yes, the 442, and I love it. But uh, the thing that I'm impressed about him is that, like you said earlier, he's doing two things con- you know, the concurrent jobs, <laughs> two very important jobs uh, handling the 49ers and then handling his business. <laughs> forgive the pun, the man is handling his business, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And you heard him say, you know, that the Jed York, the, the 49ers ownership group are involved and elevate, you know, so they're 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 benefiting from the work that he's doing. My takeaway, as we talk uh, you know, a lot about the future of what sports leagues look like, XFL has a tremendous opportunity here, right? To to kind of redefine and reshape in its own way what a modern sports league looks like from a tech standpoint, from a, as you heard him say, you know, bio, you know, the, the heart rate monitors, you know, whatever it is, they can reshape what a sports league looks like from the ground up right now. Uh, we heard that, and here's my caution, we heard that with the AAF, right? The, the folks right. at the AAF said the same thing. You know, we have a chance to build it from the ground up. We're going to do some innovative things. We're going to do some fun things with gambling and tech. Um, in the end, I don't feel as though the AAF was all that different than what we see right now from the bigger, more traditional sports leagues. So the challenge right now for the XFL, can they do something that is actually different, that is actually innovative? And I'm looking forward to seeing if it happens. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. The number is 254. 254. Is that a do- is that dollars? Or nope. just or just straight? Okay. Nope. That is the um, amount of people that watched the Tampa Bay Rays and the Kansas City Royals <laughs> earlier this week. <laughs> That's so wrong. Uh, um, take another crack at it. Oh man, um, two fifty-four. The miles, average miles per hour for Joey Logano at last week's NASCAR race. Uh, well, he did go to the White House and he did get. Uh, the nod from the president <laughs> several days ago, but that's not the uh, the number. Okay, give it to me. Two hundred fifty-four. 
if I use one phrase, Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. That's the uh, that's the the number of the pick for the final guy in the NFL that's right. draft. Okay. Caleb who, who was it? Caleb Wilson. What position does he play? Do we have any information on him? Uh, he is going to be joining. A, he'll be forgotten very soon. Uh, I'm assuming he went to the to the Cardinals. Is that right? Yes, he went to the Cardinals. And I'm, you know what? I'm trying. It looks like uh, he's going to be. Is he going to be a running back? I'm not sure. I've never heard of him, obviously, because when we go 250 deep, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I lose out. They do something for Mister Irrelevant, right? Yeah, I it's mean, it's like a, you get you, there's a special name for you. You obviously get the nickname, um, but I believe there's like a kind of a prize involved as well. Now, I'm going to mention some names. Now, these other Mister Irrelevant. These are other Mister oh, Irrelevant. Yeah, no. Tim Toon, <laughs> Justin Cunningham, Lonnie Ballantyne. Kalen Reed, Chad Kelly, and Trey Quinn. Remember all these guys? Hall of Famers, all of them. Yeah, yeah. They, they've all got their their yellow jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Good for them. First of all, you made the NFL. It is something to make the NFL. If I if I'm in the last position and I get to the league, you know, I'm Mister Irrelevant, Michael Barr. I would be very happy with that. So here's the here's the uh, here's the other thing you get. Um, Mr. Relevant and his family are now invited to spend a week at Newport Beach where they enjoy a trip to Disneyland, a golf tournament, a regatta, a roast giving advice to the new draftee, and a ceremony in <laughs> awarding him, get this, the Lozman Trophy. The Not who? the Heisman Trophy, the <laughs> Lozman Trophy. <laughs> now, you can keep all that or you can go what's behind door number two. I, you know, I, 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 I really wish him well. I, I you know, all seriousness, I... I hope uh, he's one of those guys where, you know, he'll he'll just do it and and knock it out of the park. So I want to see him. I don't want to see him just end up like okay, and then he got cut like three weeks later. <laughs> we've actually now I'm looking through the list here. We have we've had some fairly successful Mister Irrelevance. Uh, 2009 for fantasy owners out there, Ryan Suckup. That's right, kicker. Uh, who That's, he believe, announced this one. He, oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went on to tie the NFL record for the highest field goal percentage by a rookie in his rookie season. Um, he's been, you know, he's had a decent, you know, decent career. I'm not sure where he is right now. Is he still with the Titans? He, he's somewhere. He's still in the NFL. Um, that's a pretty good. Yeah. You're picking the final pick in the draft. Yeah, you know, the guy the everybody has passed on seven times, if not more. And you end up getting a, a serviceable kicker out of that. That seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah. You know, again, and, and Ryan Suckup, I've used him in my fantasy league <laughs> and I have won a fantasy league with Ryan Suckup as my kicker. The Lions have had two Mr. Irrelevance. Can you name either of them? <laughs> no, really? <laughs> uh, Barry Sanders? No. <laughs> you just named one. T Tim Toon in 2010, yeah, wide yeah, receiver out of yeah. Weber State, and Ramsey Robinson, cornerback out of Alabama in 2007. Yes, I remember them very well, so well that I don't even know their names. <laughs> I anyway. So best of luck to Caleb as he, uh, as he fights to make the team this year. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time. Plus online as a podcast, we're available. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Scott, uh, speak up now if you don't like the, the handle. <laughs> he can't because he's not here silence now. <laughs> silence bar thank you very much for joining us guys please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry you're listening to bloomberg business of sports and bloomberg radio around the world